this, you know, material ready, when I was thinking about justice, it reminded me of a experience I had back in Asia a, a couple of years ago. Uh, I was in Singapore, you know, the small country there with a, a group of people, pastors, missionaries from Asia. And so we were all gathered for this kind of conference listening to an American pastor that was speaking. And so he was from the state. And, you know, though certain people were dressed up a little bit, uh, I guess you can say classier or more put together, um, his attire was very much more on the casual side. And to kind of open up the conference, he was just mentioning how much um, he hated ties and wearing certain things that feel much more uh, formal. And he kind of went on this rant for about three minutes of how much he hated certain types of apparel, especially ties. And uh, you can imagine very quickly, there were some very shocked faces in the room, right? And people started looking a little bit horrified. And he looked confused, and certain people looked confused, as maybe some of you do. And so one very brave soul raised their hand and said, Pastor, uh, there are people from Thailand here. Right, which he just did not catch at all, right? And so very quickly he began backpedaling. He had this look of horror on his face, saying, I am so sorry. I love people from Thailand, right? You know, when when you're going off talking about ties, I wasn't referring to you, I was talking about these things around my neck. Uh, yes, and so now some of you are catching on, right? Uh, and so, you know, it took a good 10 minutes to kind of bring everyone back together, and he's saying, I'm not racist and hating, you know, 30% of the room. And finally, everyone was on the same page. We went about the rest of the conference. It was a wonderful time of looking at scripture, learning about scripture on, on the topic of counseling. But I, I bring up this story because it's so helpful to remember that we need to be on the same page when we're using terms, right? Um, even if we're using the same vocabulary, if we have different definitions, if we're um, you know, talking with someone that isn't on the same page, we're going to so easily and quickly just talk past each other. Um, we're going to try to have dialogue, but as much as you might want to, if you're not understanding how you're actually using words or what you mean by them, um, the conversation is just not going to go in any type of helpful direction. And like we've said already, this is why we're having this class on biblical justice. As even some of you are saying, we want to understand what does scripture actually say on this topic. We, we want to hear scripture's word on everything, of course, but especially here because of so many of the conversations that we hear about in our workplace. You know, maybe you are thinking about some of the conversations that happen uh, universally, globally, nationally, in churches, outside of churches, even just a couple of years ago. Uh, maybe you think about some of the conversations you have with your friends or colleagues even today. Um, if we're not having the same vocabulary, if everyone has their own definition of justice, our conversations are not going to be helpful. And so that's what I'm hoping that we're going to be able to do over these next six weeks is understand, of course, what is um, the Bible's definition of justice. But then from that, how can we have more productive, more helpful, more truth-based conversations around difficult social topics as well? Um, because I think that the, the scriptures do have a lot to share for us here. And so just to give a brief overview of where we're going um, today, as you can see on your handouts, we're going to be looking at how do we define justice in the Bible? What does scripture say? What are some of the examples of how it's used? Especially most of those come from the Old Testament. Um, but then we're going to look next week at how do we actually apply justice in today's world? If it's true that the vast majority of uh, the usages, the examples come from the Old Testament, um, what are some of the ways that being in the New Testament period, we do want to understand how we actually live it out today, uh, the ways in which you see both similarity and dissimilarity all rooted in the, the continuity of who our God is, but um, all the different hermeneutical principles of how we understand text, and then 
how the implications and applications flow out from there. And um, the third week then, we're going to look at how do we dialogue and disagreement. I just want to give a quick plug. Um, Pastor Jeremiah and the next equip block is going to have a whole class that covers um, not just this topic, but the idea of theological triage, or how do you understand what's most important, primary issues and secondary and tertiary issues, and, and how to uh, dialogue better. So that's going to be a whole class, but we're going to do kind of one um, session on that. So when we are working through areas of disagreement, what are the principles biblically um, uh, to show charity, uh, have unity, but also focus on what's true. And then uh, we're going to spend three weeks, depending on how our, our conversations go here, looking at specific case studies. And so in the, the culture today, right, you often hear about these uh, comments of criminal justice, uh, environmental justice, and economic justice. Again, different people will use different terms, but um, generally, it, once you really break it down, people will say these are justice issues. And then we want to see, okay, as believers, how do we understand these conversations? Um, and, you know, where can godly Christians agree and then agree to disagree? Uh, one of the things we'll see is uh, the first three classes are really going to be setting the foundation and framework for what we see in Scripture. So I'm going to try as much as possible to not get into specific issues and topics just yet, because until we've laid the, the foundational work, a lot of the conversation is going to be going back to, well, here are these principles we haven't talked about yet. And so if you have questions about specific areas, I would encourage all of us to you know write those down. I can have an area on the church app where we can record some of the questions or things that you're curious about. Obviously, we can talk about it one-on-one, -on -one, uh, but want to hold off on those questions and comments until we get to these areas because so much of it stems with what does the Bible actually say? How do we set the framework for having uh, you know, reasonable, charitable conversations? And the other part of that too, and we'll see as we get here, is um, even if two uh, godly men or women have the same biblical understanding of what justice is in Scripture, there are going to be areas uh, of Christian living, of interpreting what's happening in a world in which godly men can disagree, right? It's not that they're disagreeing on biblical principles, but as we'll see, after we lay the foundation, as we look into things going on in our world, uh, some of the questions aren't exactly two people disagreeing on what Scripture says. Some of the differences are how are we interpreting events that are going on in today's world. So I'll leave all of that for the, the second half of our time. Based on that, I would uh, very much encourage us to try to attend as many of these as you can because in those first three, we're going to really be trying to lay the foundation. That will be the helpful building blocks that we use for the rest of our conversations. Uh, I understand vacations and things come up, but if you sort of miss all of the beginning and jump in here, uh, you can have a conversation, but, you know, but we're not going to be working from the same uh, foundational point. So just a couple of introductory notes there. So today, as I said, we're trying to understand broad picture, big picture. Uh, what does the Bible say about the topic of justice? And there is a lot. Uh, we're not going to be able to cover everything, but I hope uh, to be, at least be able to give the general overview of this topic here. And so, uh, you know, there's a, a lot of passages you can go to. One that often gets cited uh, is Matthew chapter 6, verse 8. Uh, some of how we're going to break this down we'll actually see going to next week, but it's always helpful to at least be able to know some of these passages to reference. Uh, starting off, what is that word justice, right? In the Hebrew language, it's the word uh, mishpat, not that you need to know that exact one, but if it's helpful, if you sometimes hear it in conversations, that's a Hebrew word. 
Um, you see it referenced, I think, over 400 times in, in the, the Old Testament. So it's actually a topic that gets brought up um, quite a bit. And I think a lot of us might be familiar with uh, Micah 6, verse 8. I'm going to go ahead and read this, but as we go through some of these other passages, with love if other people are willing to read some of these. So maybe have your Bibles ready to look up some of these passages. But um, here's what it says. Again, we can unpack this more next week. It says, He has told you, O oh man, what is good. And what does Yahweh require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? Um, so there's a lot that, you know, God is speaking to his people here. But, of course, you hear that very famous phrase, which is often cited from this passage, uh, that God requires you to do justice. Right? So what does that word actually mean? Um, this is trying to put together a number of different definitions. But generally, justice is to do what is right, fair, and good conduct and practices in society. So it is practicing in relationships, in community, nationally, culturally, what is right, fair, and good. Um, so the way that you often see that uh, is you know, making sure you are not showing uh, partiality in cases, uh, personally, again, nationally, and the law, uh, not showing favoritism, you know, you're highlighting one person over another for whatever reason that may be. Uh, and especially as you see in context, which I think we'll see some examples later on, not abusing positions of authority. And so there's a lot of, you know, questions to those who are in positions of the law and who, who are carrying out the law to make sure you're not being partial or especially, you know, targeting those who have no ability to fight back. Uh, when you think about this idea of justice in the Old Testament, you see that it involves both personal relationships, as we were saying, as well as societal levels as well. So interpersonally, we're called to be just in the way that we interact with people, but also um, society as a whole can be either just or unjust in the way that laws are given, the ways that authorities carry out those laws, and how much those things correspond to Scripture. And of course, as we would understand, and we're going to see in just a little bit, the standard or basis for what is just comes from the character of God, right? So we're not just defining it based on what a person thinks is right or fair or partial or impartial. It's all summing back to the question of what is the character of God? And as we're going to see in some of these commands that are given, these rules in the Old Testament for Israel, what uh, non-partialness looks like, what avoiding partiality is, but everything stems from the character of God. Right? That's how we define what justice is. Um, so we can spend a little bit of time looking at that origin here. Uh, we don't define justice however we want. We understand that it comes from who God is and what he has said. And so kind of two general categories we see here. I'd love if some of us can maybe pull up some of these passages so all of us can read together. Um, again, every character, every single commandment given in Scripture, not just around this topic, but everything that we see from the nature of holiness to love to kindness to forgiveness, right? All of those commandments that we see in Scripture are all rooted in who God is and his unchangeable character, including the nature of what it means to be just. And so one of the passages that you see uh, referenced that is Deuteronomy 32, verse 4. Um, can someone go ahead and pull that up? Okay, uh, maybe Jimmy. Uh, can someone find Isaiah 61, verse 8? Okay, yeah. And then uh, a little bit of a longer passage, Romans 3, 23 to 26. Can someone find that? Okay. So, again, maybe pull up one of those in your own scripture. The rest we can uh, listen through. Uh, the first one is Deuteronomy 32, verse 4. Do you have it? 
The rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. Hmm. So part of uh, how we're seeing God being described, right? There's many parts in Deuteronomy in which we see the character of Yahweh on display from he himself proclaiming it or Moses or other people. Here we're seeing Yahweh being described as all his ways are justice. And then a God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he, right? And so again, we're seeing how that is part of his character, that Yahweh and who he is is just. Uh, and then, of course, we have Isaiah 61, verse 8. It says, For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and iniquity. In my faithfulness, I will reward them and make an everlasting covenant with them. Mm, very good. So a lot more going on in Isaiah that we don't have time for. But here we're seeing it says, I, the Lord, love justice. Right. So again, it's not something that we say, well, uh, maybe we do it, maybe we don't. It's in the character of God, and as with all of his attributes, it says, you know, of course, he affirms and espouses as part of who he is. Uh, something that we don't always uh, recognize or see is that uh, even the gospel itself is a form of accomplishing true justice. And so we have that known passage, Romans 3, 23 to 26, if we can read that. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith that was to show God's righteousness because in divine forbearance he had passed over former sins it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus mm, right so here a very helpful passage about the nature of forgiveness salvation in the gospel of course uh, but especially looking at that last part, right, verse 26, you know, what is it that Jesus is doing? What is God doing in sending uh, Christ to die and Jesus' uh, death on the cross covering our sins? It says it was to show his righteousness at the present time. We're going to explore that in a bit so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Christ. In other words, why is it that we needed Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, right? Why can't we in our sin just go before the presence of God into his uh, you know, presence? Well, that would be unjust, right? Because God is perfectly holy and righteous. And because of our sins, there needed to be a punishment for that. And so in the death of Jesus on the cross, that was covering or paying the penalty for our sins. And in that, we see that God was showing that he is truly just, right? It would actually be a form of injustice if God were to just say, hey, everyone can come into my presence. Not that that could actually happen. But part of uh, his character required that our, uh, our sins were being paid for, that actually required a punishment. And we would actually have righteousness of God in us. Um, so part of how we see justice and why it's seen as part of the, the commandment in the Old Testament and a common theme is because God himself and his character is just. Um, but why is it unique to us as people? Well, so this is where you hear what's often called the Imago Dei. And so we can look together at Genesis 1, uh, 27. Maybe we can all just pull there very briefly. I'll actually read it here. Uh, the Imago Dei being in the image of God, it says this. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. 
right? So as we're seeing the creation order established in the very beginning of, the, of Scripture, as God is creating the uh, various parts of his creation, you see how when it comes to mankind, that is human beings, you and I, it says we are made in his image, right? There is a unique character quality that we have as people in which we are able to reflect uh, aspects of God's character and who he is that the rest of creation cannot. Right, that even the moon and the stars, as wonderful as they are, and showing the character of God, do not reveal them in the same way as we as God's people and his image bears. And part of what you see then is that the way that you and I need to treat each other, the way that, in quotes, we deserve to be treated, is different than the way that other animals are. Right? And so that's why as you go through uh, all the you know, commands of the Old Testament, you see that there are severe uh, you know, uh, punishments if you were to murder or kill another person, but not in the same way as you were if you were to just kill a random animal on the street, right? Uh, unlike the way that maybe secular society would see us, we are not just animals, right? There's a unique dignity uh, by being a human being. And where does that come from? It comes from the fact that we are God's image bearers. And so part of how then as you go through the Mosaic law and see all of these commandments given, the reason why there's expectations and requirements for how we treat one another is not just because it's arbitrary. Of course, God is just and therefore we must be fair and equitable. But the reason especially that we have to treat one another in a particular way is because we are image bearers of God. And so we are different than the animals that you see on this earth. Uh, we are not just any other part of God's creation. We are his image bearers. So we've looked a little bit at just a simple definition of justice. Uh, we've seen the origin of it. Uh, another part that's really important to understand is the connection between justice and righteousness. Uh, you know, scholars will often say that justice and righteousness can be understood as two sides of the same coin. In the sense that there is a difference when we use either one of these terms, being just or being righteous, but as you're going to see from the definition, they're actually very, very similar. And so here's a basic definition of righteousness here. It's behavior and practices which are good and in accordance with God's character. Right? So how do we understand what is morally good? How do we understand what is right? It is, of course, that which is in accordance with God's character. It's being like him and doing the things which honor him. Uh, then, as we're seeing, a lot of these words are very much tied to this idea of, of justice, but justice probably has more of the emphasis on doing what is equitable and fair and proper, and righteousness has more of an emphasis on the moral character of being closer to that which is God or Christ-like. And so righteous behavior is treating, relating to, and interacting with people, again, in a good and God-honoring manner. Uh, as, I was, as I was alluding to, I said that, you know, many people say that righteousness and justice can kind of be seen as two sides of the same coin. The reason for that is there's over 30 passages, uh, especially in the Old Testament, where you see these two words, uh, mishpat and uh, zedekah, used uh, either interchangeably or next to one another. And so we can just look at two examples here. Uh, if we can get some more people that will be willing to read some of these passages. The uh, first is going to be Proverbs 8, verse 20 to 21. Can someone find that? Someone willing? Okay, yeah, Charlie. And then we have uh, Psalm 103, verse 6. Okay, Carl. And then uh, this will be a little bit later, but Proverbs 29, verse 7. Uh, okay, great. 
So uh, yeah, if you can, you can either take notes or follow along in one of those things. But uh, notice some of these passages where you're going to see how they very much go hand in hand together. So first is Proverbs 8, 20 and 21. I walk in the way of righteousness and the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasury. Hmm. Yeah, so in this proverb, you're saying that they're put in kind of parallel positions. So they're not literally saying it's in the same thing, but walking in the paths of righteousness is very much connected to walking in the paths of justice. Uh, then we have Psalm 103, verse 6. The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. Hmm. Okay, yeah, and so that would be often interpreted as justice. And so in this case, how is it that God is caring for his people, working both righteousness and justice. And so one of the connections you see, we can't go through every single passage in the Old Testament, but what you see is that being just, you know, being fair and equitable and treating people as we should is a form of righteousness, right? And at the same token, being unjust in the way that we're treating other people is actually a form of unrighteousness or sin, right? So it's not that we can say, well, as believers, we don't have to worry about it. Part of being truly righteous is being just. Uh, and the, the various forms of unjustness or injustice that happen are a form of unrighteousness, right? So this is something that is important to see. Uh, the passage that we can see this from is Proverbs 29, verse 7. The righteous is concerned for the rights of the poor. The wicked does not understand such concern. Yeah, um, yeah, so that word of the rights or sometimes what is seen as the, you know, fairness of the poor and then the wicked does not understand such knowledge. We'll, we'll talk about the connection to poor or oppressed later on. Uh, but again, the, the proverb is trying to emphasize the fact that those who are truly God-fearing or righteous are not just completely disregarding uh, what justice would be. Uh, many passages you can look at, but that's just one that potentially draw from. And so again, connecting with the character of God, just behavior is righteous character. In the same way that God is righteous and he is just, um, we as his people, we as his followers are called to be both as well. Uh, as many of us would know, we're called to be righteous, but then we're also called to be just. And uh, again, you're hearing some of these. I know there's a lot of questions that are probably popping into our minds already of how we live this out. Uh, just trust me, it'll take three weeks to really explain all of this. So just don't take uh, what we say just today and say, well, this is the end all be all and I'm going to interpret that however I like. Really encourage us to hear all of these weeks because as we're going to see how we actually live this out, what this means for us is very multifaceted and nuanced. So uh, make sure we try to hear all of this uh, in time. So this is a little bit about justice and righteousness. Now, uh, looking again at justice, breaking this down and how we see this in the Old Testament, uh, you can really understand that there were two types or two forms of justice. So there would be what was known as communicative justice. Uh, that is how we are relating to one another. Uh, and then what's called distributive or sometimes called rectifying justice. Uh, one is more interpersonal, and then one is more communal, especially when it comes to the law. And so what is communicative justice? It's acts which treat other people with fairness, goodness, and righteousness. And so in the way that we're interacting with people, it's doing that which would be truly God-honoring and fair and how people, in quotes, deserve to be treated in a righteous manner. Uh, I'm going to read the first one, and then if someone else can find these other two passages, Leviticus 19.15. Uh, is someone in the back willing to read? Just uh, Okay, Matt, yeah, I saw your hand ready to go. And then Exodus 23, verse 6 to verse 8. Um, anyone? Okay, Rich. 
Uh, in fact, Pastor Rich, you want to, no, <laughs> you stand up and read. So uh, first, you know, this passage, Leviticus 19.35, shows us a little bit about this idea of communicative justice. Uh, whoever has that, if you can go ahead and read it. Oh, that's right. <laughs> ah, yes, I had a Pastor Jerry moment there. No, I'm kidding. All right. That's right, yes. But I did, yeah, okay. I, yeah, my leg feels like it's in this. Okay. Uh, Leviticus 19:35 to 36. So here's communicative justice. It says, You shall do no wrong in judgment, in measures of length or weight or quantity. You shall have just balances, just weights, a just ephah, and a just hin. I am Yahweh your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And so here we're seeing again a, a list of the rules of how the people of Israel are called to interact uh, uh, with one another and nationally. And part of this is how you were to do business deals or interactions or transactions, right? So what are you saying is when you are actually, uh, you know, trading with another person, if you were a storekeeper selling goods to another person, you cannot use dishonest weights of measurement. Right? So it would be very easy in that day as you're saying, okay, uh, here's the weight or the size of what you're buying. Therefore, this is the purchase price. Here's what you're supposed to give to me. Right? And so what people could be drawn to do is to you know, use false measurements where you're basically lying about how much something truly weighs, the size of what something truly is, to be able to get more money from the person. Right? And so what is God calling the people of Israel to do? He says, you shall have just balances, just weights, and a just ephah. In other words, the, the, what you're using to measure is what is true. It is what is fair. You're not trying to deceive people or steal from them uh, in the interactions and transactions that you're doing. That's just one form of communicative justice. But I would say a lot of the, the rules around justice interpersonally that you see do have to do a lot with finances and the way that people exchange money and goods. Uh, the second category, as we said, is distributed justice. And so uh, this is basically the way in which authorities, law, and laws are trying to uphold what is just and righteous and fair, especially then in the way uh, that the law is actually carried out, in the way that uh, wicked doers are punished and the law is upheld. Um, now, I, I do believe someone was going to read Leviticus 19.15, so if you can go ahead and read that. You shall do no injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty. In righteousness, you shall judge your neighbor. Yeah, so again, you're seeing the connection between justice and righteousness that happens so much in the Old Testament, right? It says, you shall do no injustice in court. How is that defined? What does that practically mean? He says, do not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, right? So this is where we get this idea of partiality coming from. What was one of the biggest ways that injustice was seen oftentimes in the Old Testament and how we understand justice is that you, know, you can have people who are potentially in roles of authority, they're making decisions about cases, but they're being partial to the poor because a person maybe does not have the money that they could to potentially pay them or a level of status, they wouldn't treat them the way uh, that they should be treated. 
And then a person that is seen as great, whether that is financially or a position of prestige, uh, treating them partially, not giving them the true judgment of the law because of whatever type of position that they had. And so that would be seen as injustice or distributive justice. It's, you know, God is calling his people in Israel that, you know, based on who I am, based on who you are called to be as my people, the way that you interact with each other must be truly fair and equitable and true and righteous, right? So again, mishpat and um, uh, zedekah would be two different words, but they're very much connected to one another. And then we have another passage just to give a little bit more information. Exodus 23, um, 6 to 8. You shall not pervert the justice due to your poor in his lawsuit. Keep far from a false charge and do not kill the innocent and righteous, for I will not acquit the wicked. And you shall take no bribe, for a bribe blinds the clear-sighted and subverts the cause of those who are in the right. Hmm. So what was potentially even going on to the Israelites here or to their neighbors around them, which God is warning them, part of the, the level in which you see injustice being perverted is literally being willing to uh, uh, accept or offer false charges, right? People were actually being killed or punished for things that they did not do. Uh, part of how you see injustice being done is that bribes were being accepted. And so um, that which would have been a just or righteous judgment of a court or a person was not actually being done. Instead, by paying money, uh, by you know, using different things, you could get out of what would be a truly righteous judgment. And so in a legal sense, on the level of society or authority, how do we understand this distributive justice? Is that, you know, uh, injustice must be punished rightly, right? People must be treated fairly uh, in the way that they interact with the legal system and the courts and with people uh, who have the right to be able to make those types of judgments. And so that's why you can say that even then interpreting, and, and this is the one thing I'll say in how we interpret things today, you can have laws in a society, whether it's ours or anything else or the people of Israel, uh, that could be a just law or an, uh, an unjust law. Of course, everything that God gave his people is perfectly righteous and just, but any nation today could take uh, laws and, you know, have them or execute them in a way that would be seen as unjust. So are, are these things making sense so far? It's, it's based on the character of God. The reason that we're called to treat each other with equity and fairness is because of who he is that we're made in God's image. Uh, and then, of course, the next thing that we're going to see here is uh, Old Testament justice. And again, there's a lot of caveats. We'll explain this more as we go on. Uh, particularly highlights caring for the vulnerable uh, of Israel. And so you're going to see these four categories of people that come up a lot in the Old Testament. Some have called this the, the quartet of the vulnerable, if you will. That's not in Scripture. Um, but it's four different categories of people that you see referenced a lot in some of these passages around righteous or just uh, behavior, conduct, rulings. Um, and so let's look at a couple of examples here. Um, I, okay, I will remember this. I will read the first one, Isaiah 117. Uh, can someone else pick up Isaiah 53, uh, 58 verse 3? Someone willing to get that? Okay. Uh, can someone find Jeremiah 22 verse 3? Okay, Bill. And then uh, Amos 5, 11 uh, to 12. You, you can just read both. And then verse 24. Someone willing to get that? Okay, great, Tony. So you're going to see, this is just, again, one example, but how uh, oftentimes part of who's referenced a lot when it comes to these justice matters are these people who can be seen as being more vulnerable. 
Um, so Isaiah 1.17, this is God's charge to the people of Israel. One of his concerns is, you know, you'll see how they were doing all types of sacrifices and they were going before, uh, you know, the things they, they, that they were called to do in giving praise, but God was not listening to their prayers. Why? Uh, this is one thing that's mentioned a lot. Learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. Right? So I'm just bringing this verse up out of many because this is where you see some of these people referenced. Right? You're going to hear a lot of how the widow is mentioned and needing to care for them. Uh, the orphan is mentioned. The foreigners are mentioned. And the poor are often mentioned. And the reason that I think you see these people brought up is because, especially in, in this time and age, uh, they were the most vulnerable to being abused. Right, you know, if you didn't have a certain amount of money, if you didn't have certain protections, and, and you, as you see a lot in the Old Testament prophets, uh, people in power, those that had a lot of money, a lot of authority, could easily just take things from those who had nothing. Uh, if you were in one of these camps, oftentimes, uh, you know, people can just overcharge you. There's nothing you can do, and then you're going to be left with nothing. And so, part of that was happening in the people of Israel. And so let's go ahead and read some of these other passages. I think we had Isaiah 58, verse 3. Why have we fasted and we do not see? Why have we humbled ourselves and we do not notice? Behold, on the day of your fast, we find your, de your desire and drive hard all of your workers. Mm, yeah, and so that phrase, to drive hard all your workers, is sometimes, as you're going to hear from different people and different translations use, uh, oppress all of your workers. And so that wouldn't always mean oppression in the sense that people today would use it. That's going to be one of the conversations that we need to be able to have. But you do hear that phrase quite a bit, depending on the translation of uh, drive hard or potentially oppress, as you are oppressing your workers. Uh, one thing that's helpful to note, maybe just to clarify now, the most uh, common form of oppression that you see in the Old Testament was the idea of defrauding people on already agreed upon wages. And so what would often happen is basically you would talk to the person and say, hey, here's how much you know, you're going to work uh, for me for. You, know, you agree on whatever that number would be. After they're done, basically these people who were rich, who were the owners, uh, either wouldn't pay the people anything or would pay them very, very little. And basically because of their situation being poor, not having a lot to draw from, they wouldn't be able to do anything about it. And so oftentimes uh, what oppression can refer to in some of these passages and contexts as you read it is the idea of getting defrauded what they were rightfully owed. Another passage where you see this, Jeremiah 22, verse 3. Think someone had that as well? This is what the Lord says. Do what is just and right. Rescue from the hand of his oppressor the one who has been robbed. Do no wrong or violence to the alien, the fatherless, or the widow. And do not shed innocent blood in this place. Hmm. Yeah, so what are some of the forms of oppression or, or attacking them that you see? Again, you see those categories of those that tend to be uh, more common to harm. It's saying do no wrong or violence to those people. Do not shed innocent blood in this place, right? So part of the injustice, which hopefully this seems obvious to us, uh, were people basically taking advantage and either directly attacking or hurting uh, those groups of people that were more vulnerable. Um, you see this again, another one in Amos 5, uh, 11, 12, and 24. Therefore, because you trample on the poor and you exact taxes of grains from him, you have built houses of hewn stone, but you shall not dwell in them. 
He hath planted pleasant vineyards, but you shall not drink their wine. For I know how many are your transgressions, and how great are your sins. You who afflict the righteous, who take your bribe, and, and turn aside the needy in the gate. And then 24. Mm -hmm. yeah. Let justice roll down like waters, and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so a very famous passage that you hear a lot referenced in some even very famous sermons um, about the nature of justice, right? So how is it actually being understood here? Uh, what were the people of Israel doing that was so sinful and evil? It says you are trampling the poor and you exact taxes of grain from them. And basically what was happening in this day and age is uh, the very wealthy, those that can dictate where taxes were being drawn from, uh, would basically force all of the poorest of the people to pay the most, right? And so it was almost like a form of slave labor. Uh, and then saying, you are afflicting the righteous who take a bribe, right? And so things that you were called to do in, in whatever form of transactions or in the law on that day, you would be willing to take money from people to then do what would be uh, unjust or evil in God's sight. And so this is what God is then calling the new. This is what the people were doing wrong. Then you have verse 24, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness. Again, those two words being connected like an ever flowing stream. And so uh, I, I think that, you know, this passage is often used to justify uh, whatever a person, you know, may determine to be injustice in today's world. But um, how is the injustice being seen in, in the time of Israel here is that, you know, people were basically defrauding and stealing money from those around them, uh, causing various forms of bloodshed and violence, um, you know, because the people could do nothing to retaliate. And so that's why God is saying you need to be just, right? Just as I am just, and I'm setting all of these commandments that you see in the Mosaic law for what fairness looks like and righteousness looks like, um, you are not doing that. You're actually turning aside to your own way. Uh, now, when you're hearing all this, and, and I know that all of us are probably having different thoughts or questions of maybe ways that you've heard people use some of these passages and how people have then taken and say, therefore, we should do X, Y, and Z in society again. Uh, we will get to those in, in the, the last three weeks together. I, I want to take our time and make sure we're being thorough here. Uh, let me just say a couple words to you know, help bring this all together. First of all, as we're thinking through what justice is, uh, you know, Kevin DeYoung has a really helpful book that I think explains that well for us. It's called, What is the Mission of the Church? Uh, have any of you guys heard that book before? Or do any of you know Kevin DeYoung maybe? You've heard of his name before? Okay, yeah, I see some heads uh, shake, that's good. So that would be a helpful book to potentially look at or pick up because he tries to break down a lot of these passages and this idea. But here's a quote from him. He says, practically justice means following the rule of law, showing impartiality, paying what you promised, not stealing, not swindling, not taking bribes, and not taking advantage of the weak because they are too uninformed or unconnected to stop you. Right, so that's just a helpful summary of how do we think about injustice in general, right? It's treating people as they deserve to be treated, as image bearers of God, uh, not stealing from them, not lying to them, not abusing rules and uh, you know, different laws for our personal benefit. Um, but also then trying to understand the way that this means biblically versus maybe how we're seeing it sometimes in society. Uh, you know, basically, he also says this, Christians who do not cheat swindle, rob, murder, accept bribes, defraud, and hold back agreed-upon wages are probably doing justice. He says Christians guilty of these things are probably not Christians at all. 
so again, we'll, we'll get more into this as we go on, but sometimes when people hear the term justice or you need to do justice, um, they're adding on uh, different, mostly arbitrary ideas of what that means, whether it means, um, well, okay, without going too much into it because of the color of your skin or a certain amount of money, maybe it means X, Y, and Z. You can have a whole conversation about whether a person should or can do that. That's a whole different topic. But when we're thinking about justice itself, what it means to be just, it is simply being fair and equitable in the way that we are treating one another and the ways that laws are being given and written to make sure that fairness and righteousness is being done. Um, and again, we want to find this from Scripture. So as we're taking this so far, hopefully this is giving you a little bit more of a picture or understanding of what Scripture actually says. When we think about this uh, conversation as a whole, many things in which we're going to get to as we go on from here, uh, one of my concerns, and again, every week we're going to hit different aspects and balance nuance of how we need to be concerned, but one of the concerns for us as believers is, you know, we see certain things in society that uh, maybe is done in the secular world and we don't like for various reasons, which are probably good and true, um, but we don't actually base that in Scripture, or we don't have a, an understanding of what Scripture actually says about these topics. And so maybe the reason we say, hey, I don't like that, even if your end result is good, is actually being based on um, secular entities or, you know, basically not biblical entities, right? Whatever decisions, whatever interpretations we come to in the world around us about what is good and right and just needs to be rooted from Scripture. And so, again, this is just a very brief kind of expose looking at some of these passages here. Um, you know, but one of the goals as we're going into this conversation, and again, we need to balance this with the next couple of weeks, is understand or really asking the question, how much are we getting our understanding from the Bible? And then also, too, as we often talk about here in our church, how much do we know what the Bible truly says about some of these topics, right? If you were to ask me to say, hey, pick up 10 or 20 verses about justice or fairness off the top of my head, I'll be honest, I probably could not do that, right, until I started to go to the study and, and be able to really break it down. But when we are having these conversations, when you're going to begin to have these conversations together or with people outside of this room or church, how much will you be able to know what Scripture says? And then, as we're going to see next week, understand it in context so that when we are having these difficult conversations, we're not just talking to people saying, this is why I'm right and why you're wrong, but you're able to say, here's what God's Word actually has to say on this topic. And as we look at, for instance, very briefly, we did Amos 5. Uh, you know, you're taking that statement, let justice roll down like waters to mean X, Y, and Z. Um, but let's look a little bit, at just a couple of verses before to see how he's clarifying what the injustice actually was, right? That's a very different conversation than, I don't like what you're saying, and that's wrong and I'm right, right? We want to be able to go back and look at different passages of scriptures here. So uh, again, I would really recommend that Kevin DeYoung book because I think it does a good job of uh, talking about the nature of justice here. Um, it does go through some of what's known as the uh, quote-unquote problem passages or often debated passages. And he does, I think, a helpful job of explaining a lot of that. Um, I don't know if I would say I would endorse 100% every single statement. I, I think I would for the vast majority. Uh, very, very helpful. But when you're trying to look at this topic broadly, uh, it's something that's really good to be able to look at here. Okay, so from what we've covered so far, I can tell there's a, a lot of uh, thoughts brewing, you know, from different reactions here. Um, 
Are there any opening questions? Because I, I know this is a big topic. A lot of it I know is going to get into particular applications that we see in, in our culture. I hope you understand what we're trying to do, though. Uh, you know, I won't answer all of those until we get there so we can really lay all the biblical foundation first, and then we can have more in-depth conversation. But looking at some of these kind of big picture, uh, what questions do you guys have about what you're seeing, what we've talked about today, um, what Scripture potentially uh, mentions here? Yeah, Lauren. Hmm. And I read it, and I had issues with the application part of hmm. what he came to. And so I guess I'm wondering if you have read it, what have you garnered from that? Hmm. Because I would follow along with what he was saying, like, okay, I get that. Yeah. But in the application, it would just fall off completely. Like, it doesn't make sense how it flows, but where you're starting from. Mm. Yeah, that's that's a great question. So uh, a lot of us probably know Tim Keller, love and respect him for a lot of the things that he's written. Um, you know, many of the books he has. Um, that book, in particular, and, and some of the application points you're talking about, are some of the areas in which I would disagree with him. Again, if you're able to read discerningly, which all of us should desire to do over time, it is helpful to read, right? Because I think it's um, if you are talking with maybe more progressive Christians. Um, a lot of those types of arguments are often used, um, so it, it's helpful to know where that comes from. A lot of the stuff that he does in terms of trying to define some aspects of justice are helpful. So there are parts that would be good, um, and if you want to know generally where more quote-unquote progressive thought comes from, when it comes to justice, yeah, that would be one example. So I think what you're referring to, Lauren, uh, maybe one of many examples, is he goes through kind of something similar here of defining justice to the Old Testament. Uh, what does it mean as Christ then comes, as we're going to look into next week with uh, the new covenant, the new expectations for believers? Um, a lot, it makes a lot of, I think, valid points. I wouldn't agree with everything. And then as you get to some of the application sections, it's sort of, uh, therefore, um, you know, uh, if you're an, an employer, don't, uh, don't have as much profit as you would. You know, give more to your employees um, you know, we should be considered moving into poor areas of the city, you know, to be able to um, fight uh, injustice in different ways, right? So there's some helpful comments about passages of Scripture and then some of the applications that maybe aren't as helpful or I wouldn't say are, are from those texts there. And so, yeah, I, I would say, um, one, of course, I would disagree. I think part of where that comes from is, and then the, some of this we're going to actually get into next week, is he's looking at these passages about caring for the oppressed and the vulnerable, right? Which was done in a particular area with particular types of people. And say these acts, which we would interpret actually more as forms of mercy and love, he would interpret them as justice. And so uh, sometimes I think what Keller does and, and some believers in, in those types of camps is they're taking different aspects which you see either in the Mosaic Law or things which can be seen as good forms of righteousness, and then basically labels all that as a form of justice. And so, um, yeah, so for instance, in the, the gleaning of the fields passage, I think in Deuteronomy 24, 
you know, he would say, hey, you know, these things which God was doing to truly uh, care for, you know, all those that are weaker, which we would see as form of charity, mercy, and love, he would say this is a justice thing in which if they didn't get at, they're actually being defrauded what they deserve, as opposed to God, as people are entering, um, you know, even the foreigners are entering into his land and saying, this is the character of who I am, being love and merciful and kind, therefore my people shall also be that way. Uh, you know, he would take that and say, well, that's actually a justice idea, and therefore, if you're not doing it, you're being unjust. And so I wouldn't say that that's therefore how he gets to, therefore, move into the inner city, um, but it is kind of from that uh, line of thought. It's taking passages in all of the Old Testament, which do affirm kindness and love and generosity, which all of us as Christians should be marked by, and saying, well, that's actually a form of justice. Therefore, if you're not doing it, uh, you're potentially uh, in the wrong or you're sinful. Yeah. Um, th does that clarify anything? Yeah. 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 I knew as I was reading it, I'm like, I don't, you know, I knew something was off. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And, and part of it, too, as uh, we can talk about, that's where hermeneutics really comes into play. Uh, again, we're, we're doing some of that next week, but I know we offer a class every year here at the church, you know, often taught by Eric Grant on hermeneutics, but I would encourage all of us, uh, if, if you wouldn't say you have the experience of being able to say, here's how you take the passage and its context and using the grammar and um, to really understand how to then apply this passage, if you're not a train in hermeneutics would really encourage you to seek ways of being able to do that. I know in the Forge we've covered that as the, the first kind of general session. We have the equipped class that runs on that. So much of where this comes from, I'm already talking about next week's stuff, is the ability to do hermeneutics properly. So make sure uh, you're looking to, to find ways of doing that. So, okay, it's a, a great question. Any other questions here? Yeah. Yeah, uh, when you say detriment, do you mean maybe like a negative uh, ramification or yeah. consequence yeah. of it? How I'm affecting the people around me, right? Mm. Like, is it a wrong view of God, or is mm. it, so what would you say? Yeah, that, that's another good question. Um, so in some cases, it can be that people have a wrong view of God. In some cases, people are seeing right aspects of who God is, again, going to the idea of his mercy and generosity, and then just interpreting it under the wrong word. Um, one of the biggest things, and this is something we will uh, get to next week, is it can easily, and this is what we see oftentimes, uh, defraud or distort what the gospel actually is, right? So as we're going to see, believers should be just. We're called to be just in the way that we interact with people. We should desire that the ways that authority use their positions and, and carry out things should be just. Uh, that is important and true and good. Um, that is not the gospel. And so one of the biggest dangers we'll see is that, and I think a lot of us are familiar with this, people turn, quote-unquote, what they would call justice issues, that's already one question, is that truly just or not? Uh, but then they'll say, in order to preach the gospel, in order to be a Christian, you must do and care for these issues here. Now, there are multiple layers of that. Is that truly justice or not? That's one conversation. But then two, what is that? Is that the gospel or not? So... I would say that's the biggest danger that we often see is that people who have good intentions wanting to affirm fair care interactions with people say, if you're not uh, making this your life mission, if your church is not making it its main mission emphasis, um, you're not truly being faithful to the gospel. So it's a big point to understand when like someone's going to a new church on where they land on that because 
Uh, yes, yeah, that, that would be an important question to ask, yeah. Um, I, I think, and this is a, a broader thing, but as you know, time continues to go on, and as we've seen, um, you know, more and more that can be a helpful thing of knowing for every church, whatever the doctrinal statement might be, of course you want one that is biblically affirmed and honoring and good. Yeah, where does the church land on a, a number of different issues? And uh, potentially I would even point us to Pastor Jeremiah's class coming up next block, which again goes into theological triage. So what are the areas in which Christians must agree in order to be saved, uh, where they should agree in order to be part of the same church, and then what are the areas in which godly Christians can disagree and still be part of the same church? Because I would say as we're thinking about justice, yes, there are churches that are rejecting what is the true gospel in favor of something else, and that's not honoring to God, right? That is wrong. Um, but there would be other cases in which maybe we don't like what certain people believe in, and that wouldn't be a reason that we should separate from a church, but we say, because you, you differ or disagree with me on this issue, I don't want to be in the same church as you. So part of theological triage is knowing what is truly a first-level issue, and then what are the areas in which godly Christians can disagree on and should be able to charitably disagree, as, as we'll talk about in a couple of weeks. So, Back to your, the, the Keller comment, can you define, because it seems like the, the definition, it could be almost like a Venn diagram, but definition of love and mercy where it intersects with justice and righteousness because if you look at the, the definition I can see how there's some confusion in, in, in how colors miss some people that you're saying are misapplying that but if you look at the terms of what we just defined they can almost apply equally yeah to mercy okay that that's but a good question outcomes because obviously if you look at the oppression there's a sense of entitlement but mercy would be there is no you, you don't, you're not entitled to mercy it's God given where maybe with justice there is some sense of entitlement, but a widow, is a widow entitlement or something like that? Mm. I don't know. Yeah, so just, yeah, specifically when you're thinking about how does this inter interact with people being entitled or having a right to something? Yeah. Yes, uh, let me see. I think we're going to have, I think we're going to have a longer section on that. I think it's next week, you know, in terms of, you know, what a person is, is owed. Maybe briefly, I'll just say what the way that justice works is that every believer should desire to see justice being done, right? People are treated fairly and equitably. Um, and actually, yeah, so that's going to go into the economic justice uh, session, which we'll, we'll have a whole thing on. Um, that does not mean that a person should be able to say, I must have X, Y, and Z amount. Um, you know, maybe one of the differences between today's society and what was happening in Israel is that in Israel's time, um, those who were the poorest had no say and would be, everything would be taken from them. Um, it's, that, that was what God was worried about, especially because those were his people. That's a very different question if you're living in a situation, society like today, where it's not agrarian. Um, you know, we're not all God's people. And, uh, you know, depending on your country, you might have access to a lot more resources than what these poor truly had. So there's a lot of dynamics there. Uh, I think we'll try to break those down when we get to the economic justice section. Yeah. Okay. Um, other questions? I wanted to leave time here because I know this is, you know, it, it's always how you actually break this down in the nitty gritty. So, yeah, Tony. Um, so you've mentioned equity the word equity mm. um, a time or two today. C could you define that? Mm. And the reason why I ask is because um, my fear for what I've just seen in my own life mm. is that people often would um, confuse 
the, the term equally or mm. equality with equity, but in fact, there, there are two definitions. And even for my own self, I'd love to hear yeah. kind of what you would say. Okay. That. Yeah. And I do think if you, if you were to hit control F and type equity into your Bible, uh -huh. you would find it. Yeah. But I think a lot of people just gloss over that and think, oh, it kind of means equally. Mm, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, so I'm using it, maybe this isn't the technical definition, as a synonym for um, fair. Okay. Yeah. So just saying, according to God's definition, you know, the way that he lays things out, how people should be treated okay. uh, would be equitable. And so maybe what you're referring to, I think yeah, we'll talk about in a couple weeks, is when people say equal, they're thinking, for instance, financially, uh, everyone should have the exact same amount of money, right? right? Well, and that's how I see it used at work. Okay. So yeah. Which, and again, I mean, for those that are in the finance world, probably in, in those uh, places, that is how maybe it should be used. Right. Of course, what we mean biblically could be different. Yeah, sure. so that's a helpful clarification for sure. So, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Thoughts? Any comments, Pastor Rich? Oh, I have many thoughts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, first of all, I would just say, Alex, this is a great introduction to the subject matter, and I am so grateful that you're addressing it because there's such massive confusion, and, and this was really, really helpful this morning. Um, I'm kind of bummed that I've got a prior engagement in the next five weeks. I'm looking forward to hearing it. Um, I, I would just draw an underline um, below with an exclamation part, point at the end, and an asterisk on both sides. Um, when you define what justice is, you tied that back, right? Well, that's why. To the character of God. Hmm. That is so important in this conversation. When you divorce the idea of justice from who God is, you not only lose the source of your definition, you also lose the motivation for actually pursuing it. So yesterday, for instance, I was in a local middle school walking around, and there's this giant kind of collage on the wall. And all it said was, be kind and be, I think it said, helpful, which is essentially an appeal to be, to be, to these kids, to, to be just towards each other. And I'm looking at that sign saying, why? Like, it, if you don't know God and he's not underneath everything that you do, why should I be kind? Well, because it's the right thing, would be the answer from the, from the school administrator. Says who is my next question as a student? Well, says me. How come? I mean, so mm. when you remove the character of God from the equation, you no longer have any foundation for what is right, kind, or just. And you also have no motivation to do it. Which is why in the passage I read earlier, Exodus 23-6, I think, it actually says, do not fail to offer the justice. It doesn't say your justice, your brand that you define. Hmm. It doesn't just say justice as some ethereal, unknowable concept. No, it's the specifically defined concrete justice that is authored by God and grounded in his character. Hmm. So I think that that's the reason why in our society there's just an explosion of confusion um, about what justice actually is and how it should look and how to apply it. Because societally, we've all turned our gaze away from who God is, and therefore, mm. we have no idea how to define it, mm. or how to agree upon it, or how to pursue it. 
Um, and, and so I think as, as you're explaining this, I, I so appreciate the way that you grounded this whole conversation in the character of God and the application of that character to our engagements with each other. Because if you, if you lose that, you have no ability to even begin knowing what justice is or should be. Mm. So I, this was really helpful. Mm. Um, and I, I'm looking forward to hearing the rest, even though I can't. Yeah. Well, and this was helpful. So if you want to teach the rest of the class, let me. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and I think that goes to, you know, maybe some of the comments that were first mentioning where I, I want to know the biblical truth, right? Because if we're just making our own definition, you can turn to whatever. I often think about um, Google, you know, the company. For the longest time, they had the tagline, just don't be evil, right? That, that was one of the things that they had. And then they removed that, you know, so I don't know what that says about, you know, them. But it is so true. Everything has to be written who God is. So I know this was just meant to be a, a teaser to get us thinking about this. I was trying to not say too much about different topics because it deserves a, a more thorough treatment, which we'll get to. Um, maybe for, for time's sake, as we are wrapping up, just want to do some of the sort of admin intro things that we typically do, you know, for these classes as we're getting going. Um, first off, again, thank you so much for all of you who are here. Um, if you're finding this material helpful, please uh, feel free to invite, you know, other people from the church that you know would benefit from this. Um, part of how we're trying to uh, continue to encourage and shepherd the church is just, you know, knowing who's also attending different things. And so please, if you haven't already, if you can please join the class on the church app. And just one of the ways that we're able to shepherd the church body, um, follow up with those that we've been um, sort of missing as they're uh, maybe not coming to church as much. And so if you want to, you can do that under the group tab, uh, under the equip classes there. And so uh, somewhere in the back, it's hidden behind a water bottle, but there is a little, uh, you know, whatever you want to call those signs with two, with two QR codes. And so if you want to as well, you can just hold your phone camera there. It'll take you to the group, and then you're able to uh, join in everything like that. The other QR code that you'll see there as we're encouraging just more fellowship, again, we want this to be Bible-based, but also a time for being able to meet new people in the church, is by just sharing some snacks together. And so as we always do, please consider signing up for one of the, the class sessions to actually bring a snack, which I apologize that we forgot today, but uh, just a way of serving the church, but also uh, being able to encourage people to have some fellowship before we actually get started. Um, last thing is we do want to spend a little bit of time going over the announcements. If you guys didn't know, you can always find this on your church app under the home page. Uh, as you guys know, we are going through the current equip block. It just started today. Um, but if you know, again, people that would benefit from the material, please consider inviting them here. Um, grief sure is ongoing. Uh, that's on Saturdays at 10 o'clock. If you've um, experienced the loss of a loved one, that's a really helpful time to be able to fellowship with other believers who have and just talk about it in a God-honoring way. Uh, you can click there to join, or I believe you can talk with uh, Jimmy Davis, if that's right, uh, to learn more about that. As Pastor Jeremiah mentioned uh, at church, in the main service, we are having our men's conference coming up in just a couple of weeks. So men, please do everything you can to be there. Uh, ladies, if you can, uh, do what you can to be able to take care of the kids or arrange schedules so the men can be there. I know that's going to be a really, really helpful topic um, that I hope all of us can benefit from. And then to uh, pay the favor, you know, ladies, please consider joining the, <laughs> the podcast in Pine Night. You know, so that's going to be coming up November 2nd, the Thursday, just a chance of hearing a podcast. Michelle, what is that going to be? Yes. Okay, that's great. So, 
a great chance of talking about fellowship. You know, what does that mean biblically with other ways in the church? So men, let's pay the favor and make sure we're doing what we can to care for that. Uh, and then, uh, yes, I think uh, also, too, you know, there's going to be, if you are trying to survive the holidays or you've experienced uh, difficulty there, there's going to be another session there on that Saturday uh, to be able to uh, work on that. Okay, so everyone, I hope that that was helpful. Look forward to seeing you next Sunday and hope you have a great rest of the day, okay?